Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. You can't allow outside people to change who you are, so you must also continue to give opportunity to other people even though the last person you gave an opportunity did you wrong. Mm. And you gotta understand there's an occupational hazard. This is a job and it ain't just about jokes. It ain't about funny. It's about your work ethic. You're a businessman, you're not a businessman and you must be your best manager, you. You must be your best agent, you. And like he said, hard work tastes well, you know? Tastes good. Hot breath. What's goody, Hot breath Verse? Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers, and our guest today is the first comic Dave Chappelle has ever produced a Netflix special for. Their relationship started way bizzack in the early 90s when my man on the show today actually started his own comedy club because the other comedy clubs would not book him. This is just one of the many obstacles he's had to overcome in his 30-plus year career. Most recently, he was about to achieve a lifelong dream of having his own sitcom that got delayed due to the writer's strike. At one time in his career, he even thought about quitting, but we are all better for it. And today, we're going to get into his undeniable stand-up game. This is a man who Jerry Seinfeld called a machine. This is a man who Dr. Dre called from a yacht after seeing his comedy special, that New York Times voted as the funniest of the year. Ladies and gentlemen, hot brethren and sistren, welcome to the hot breath of verse, Nathaniel Pui, Earthquake Stroman. How dare. <laughs> you got everybody. Everybody. That's Pui. I told you that was Pui. That's Nathaniel. Sergeant Stroman. Earthquake. Throwing your government out there. Well, first of all, let me tell you, thank you. Um, your review of my special, when you said what you said so eloquently about joke per minute and everything, I came in, I'm not lying to you, from comic to comic, man to man, just human being to human being. I was, I was just elated. I came into my own radio show. I showed it to my woman. I said, look at this, this review. And I said, baby, she's like, who is he? I say, he's a man who watches comedy. This is when you're dealing with someone who's in the business. And then I had to be, of course, you always got to give your woman a seller. He's like a skip bayless. That's the end of saying. Dedicate his life to the genre of what we do. Mm. And for him to give us this. It's, it's outstanding. And then once I told him that, um, I told her that uh, she understood. And I, I'm, I always wanted to personally tell you, thank you for that. Wow, I, I appreciate it. I mean, as as a comedian myself, and watching your special, and just like you're watching it, almost like, well, why even bother if that's where the bar is? <laughs> like, I believe we clocked it at 14 laughs per minute. I mean, and these are house laughs. I learned it from Steve Harvey how to do it, when and been a part of what is a joke, what is a degree of a joke, how you scale a joke. And um, once he, I learned that from him, 
then I just compacted together to to for the cumulative effect. What did he teach you? Well, oh, he has a grading system for a joke. Number four joke is just a filler joke. A three joke is a joke that works sometime, um, partly. Two jokes, no, number two jokes, it'll work 50-50. A number one joke is a joke that'll work anywhere. I don't care if you had a funeral, you at the hospital, somebody die, and ones. So when you do a special, you want to put all ones. And that's why it's called a comedy special because it's supposed to be special. And the best way to make it special is put it in one. So what I did was put all my ones and then I just compact them together till I turned it into a Uzi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I've been oh. doing that all, that's that's just my style. Mm-hmm. But when you, um, comedy special, and I'm just, it's so great place in my life, personally, emotionally, financially, you know, aware of who I am, what I am, know how to to regulate this gift, you know. They ain't no anxiety with it. I don't have um I don't have no uh nervousness about it, no expectation, no limitations, just know how to do it and no competition because you're dealing with something that's subjective. So the only competition is yourself. So you what you do is try to get the best that you are and then film it. That's the yeah. thing I'm at. Yeah, I feel, sometimes I feel like before I go on stage, I'm like, oh, I need, because it sounds like your mindset is, no, there's no expectation. I'm just going to be me. I'm at a mindset of like, oh, I got to get something. For, I got to go out there and kill. I got to get the laughs from the audience. Yeah, I, I mean, you still have that uh, expectation and that um, what you need to, to achieve because, you know, I mean, well, you know, yeah. occupational hazard. You go in there and I don't need nothing. You'll hear boo. <laughs> but how you process to get to that point is different now. I don't, I don't, that anxiety of, oh man, I got to this or this. I've learned how to harness this gift. Mm-hmm. And now, I, you know, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to do. This is what I need to eat. This is who I need to separate. And if I do all of that, the gift will come out itself and you have no, you know, level of uh, um, the word I'm looking for, expectation, but to yourself. And if you do the best you can do, it'll translate to the audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it will. And and then you'll be amazed. Damn, I was my best self today. I was I, but you still better than the average person that's doing it. And they don't know. You know yeah, I mean? they don't. They don't know because you, you're not in a group. You're an individual artist. So, you know, as long as you put that excellence in it in that way, for me, that's at work. It took me a long time, time to get to that. I think I just got it the last six or seven years because anxiety used to be the shit. I'd be back there with my Comcast, time to go on. Um, you know, because I don't get to the to the venue till ten minutes before it's time for me to go on. Cause I don't, I don't have no set set. So I have to isolate myself from everybody else. Because if I start talking to him, her, I lose my train of thought. Get out there and fuck around, be talking about him and her. You know, mm-hmm. I have to isolate myself. But now I know how to be able to talk to him and her and still be able to get on there and do what I want to do. So you never have like a set list or anything? You didn't no. Go out there? Yeah, I never. Uh, 
have never physically write. I mentally write. Uh-huh. What I do is I um I come up with a uh, say you say a bit, you know what I mean, and you just elaborate on it, and you just keep on. It's like what I like to say is a uh, the truth that turns into a lie. You mm-hmm. just you know what I mean. You see a truth of it, and you just expand on it. You know, you see a dude get jumped. And one dude beat him up. By the time I tell you the story, it was eight people on him and they slammed him to the ground and they dragged him all the way down the street and all of a sudden he cried for his mama. Mm-hmm. None of that happened. Yeah. The only thing happened, he got his ass whooped. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's the truth that you elaborate on and it just expands and expands and expands. And I see it. So when I see it mentally, I just see the picture and talk it out of it. I don't rehearse the words. I see the picture of the joke. You know, I, I, I see what, you know, the the whole scenario of it. And then I just tell what I see. So like from your special legendary, like the January 6th right. joke, which is the pat, 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 And I left out a part of it because, and I'm so mad at myself <laughs> because I left out the part I posed to be in John Wick in that motherfucker. Pat, 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 pat. damn John, pat, pat, pat. <laughs> But see, I seen it, so just think yourself, okay, I'm a security guard. All of a sudden, these people are coming up here. All my friends are mad at me. First of all, you're a black man being a security guard. That's the already look down on you. Then you're protecting some people up here that don't, in, in the hood field, they don't give a fuck about them, which is the United States Congress. And on this day, this beautiful day, Trump's supporters was just rushing. And you call your friend, man, I told you you should have got this job. I'm uh, shooting <laughs> Trump supporters on the clock. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if you, you see, so you take that uh-huh. and you take that on it, just think of you in that scenario. You, you put that mentally in your scenario and then you just play it all out. What would you be doing? Pat, pat, pat. You ain't gonna use your gun, give it to me. Pat, pat, right, right, pat. Right. People, what you doing? Saving democracy. Yeah. Fuck. You feel what I'm saying? You, you, now you see the whole movie and you just telling what you see of the movie you see. And that's how I do my comedy. And sometimes I forget a scene of the movie like I did on a special because we didn't, they, we shot that one take quick. We just took it. We didn't do no editing. It was just straight. You know, we just did it like that. And I it never until I got to watch it with Kev and the rest of them when we did the premiere, I said, God damn, I forgot to put the John Wick. <laughs> I love even at your level that like in, in our comics mind, there's always something we get off stage. We're like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because you sit there, but see if you see in a movie, if if I try to think, put John Wick in there, it'll throw everything off. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like it's like a motherfucker editing it. You're like, oh wait. Now get back up, take it from there, then the, the, the vision is gone. Yeah. So you have to tell what you see at that particular time and let it go and be happy with it. So to, to develop that joke, do you see January 6th happen and then you're like, oh man, if I worked there, I would I'd be shooting everyone. And then you take it to the stage and start expanding on it? Well, for me to get to that one, I just looked at the restraint that all the cops had with them that they usually didn't have with people in my community. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. They was able to uh, commence and inflict far worse violence towards police officers and only one was dealt with with deadly force. 
you know, and um, in my community, you move your hand the wrong way, you make a gesture towards the police, and, you know, they they use their discretion of using deadly force and say in their defense, you know, I fear for my life. So I took that mentality and applied to there. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to use the same methodology y'all use in our community for them. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But I understand that because you, the people who was them that was coming in was them. They was they recognized. So you have more restraint for people that you have familiarity to. Yeah, so I was like, I didn't have no familiarity with you. So I would have been when you were in my community. And that's how I came to the formalization. Pat, pat, pat. I would have shot all y'all. Yeah. That's what it came in. What are you doing? Saving democracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that type of thing. That's how I came to it. Yeah, because clearly it's it's a joke you really cared about because even at the end of the credits of the special, that's like the last thing you hear as well. It like plays that little soundbite again. I don't know. I mean, I watched that special once, twice at the most. I'm hard watching myself stuff because I look at it like, damn, I posed to, you know what I mean? So it did well. It did far. It did exactly, put it this way, it did exactly what I could, pr- I pray that it would do. So we was talking off air before. I'd have felt an, I'm not an ungrateful person and then to criticize something that did so well for me would have been ungrateful, so I don't watch. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Because the, the critique would come in and then that little thing like, you ungrateful bastard, you, just, you know, you're so afraid that you might go down and lose that blessing that you have, so. I don't watch it creatively part. I watched it when we had the uh, premiere off of it mm-hmm. and what it did and one more, a couple more times with my fiance. And other than that, I just say, I this next one we gonna do, we gonna make sure it's even better. And I'm looking forward to that. Hey, you're doing that with Dave again? Doing it with Dave again. We're gonna do it in Atlanta, the birthplace of my comedy. I was born in Washington, D.C. That is my birthplace where I was born. But the birthplace of me doing um, my career, of my stand-up, of, I wouldn't be here as a comedian if it wasn't for Atlanta. But I mean, Atlanta, I'm still eating off of all the love Atlanta has done for me. Atlanta showed me so much in the early 90s. My, my club was the hottest club that came to see me. And all the comedians would come there. It was just beautiful. And I learned everything about my crafts in Atlanta. And I will always be, again, grateful to later to Atlanta. I had to do the first special in D.C. because that's my hometown. But my second one, it couldn't be nowhere else but ATL. Dude, every, I always ask a comic on here, like their worst bombing story, their worst booze story. I can't tell you how many have happened at your uptown comedy club. <laughs> There are so many that are like, well, I was at Uptown. I was like, say less. I know where this is going. That sounds like that whole era right there was just like legendary. Yeah, because we, um, shout out to the Comedy Act Theater, shout out to 559. Mm. We was, um, we was, we was heavyweights in the South, in the world. We was, we brought everybody there and we, you know, we set a standard. 
See, in certain uh, communities are educated in comedy. Cleveland is, Atlanta is, Chicago, D.C., certain places, they, they are, I mean, they're students, they, they, they know it. And we raised the expectations. So you just couldn't come down there with knock-knock jokes. And then um, I didn't make it easy for him either. I left and then didn't give him the mic. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? And that's from the time I was really off, man. I was I was having my man, I was enjoying Atlanta and everything. I was I was a rock star. Rick James. I was it was beautiful. You know, and um we was funny raising the roof off of it and certain people underestimated, you know, you know, what it took to step on that stage. And the difference between us and New York was they didn't boo because you didn't, we ain't give you enough time. We gave, they booed because you just wasn't good at it. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah, yeah. And that didn't mean you wasn't a great comic. You need to be better than you are tonight. And, you know, that's, that's, that's what we did. Yeah, because I think, in, speaking of New York, I think you had an experience at the Apollo where you had yeah. to walk off, right? Yeah, I wasn't going to let them boo me, my ego. <laughs> I'd be damn. I heard a motherfucker cough. I said, that's it. Good night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, I, what we do is subjective. Mm-hmm. I tell comedians all the time, you know, no matter how funny you is, including myself, somebody going to find you not funny. You just pray to God all the motherfuckers don't show up tonight. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what you do. And you should never put, they shouldn't, especially for comedians, put you in a place. You have to prove you're funny. See, that's the difference from the club. We give you, our club gave you opportunity and you proved that you wasn't worthy. In my humble opinion, Apollo, you had to come over here and prove to them. And I ain't got shit to prove to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I'm not in the proving game. What do you think about, because I know you always love to help up and coming comedians. Yes. How do you feel about this new, like, I mean, the, the social media game and now comics are almost chasing clips more than like actually developing on stage. How, how do you feel about that as an OG? I don't have no problem with it. I mean, I appreciate um, any um, vehicle or platform that can help you connect with your uh, with your crowd, with your your clientele, uh, with your fans. All I say to comedians, and I always say it to them, you know what I mean. To say you're a comedian, you cannot omit the process when it comes to be a comedian, and that's the stage. Uh, and I tell them it's not how many followers you have, it's how many comedians you can follow. If you can't get behind another comedian, follow him after a long night, then you're not over here with me until you can able to stand on that stage and let four or five people rip and then they call your name and you take it to a higher level, then you can't call yourself comedian. I don't care what you say you say you call yourself. But eventually, sometime, somewhere, they're gonna put you in a room and ask you what you think and what's funny, and you're not gonna be able to rehearse it. Yeah. You're not gonna be able to do a clip. You're not gonna be able to say, cut that, let's edit that. You ain't gonna be able to do that. You're gonna have to sell you, and you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't um, achieve that objective or get over that hurdle 
why are you also doing the internet um, thing? And it's a lot of comedians that's doing it. One comes to mind is uh, DC Youngfly. Yeah. Um, she went on tour with us and um, with the OGs, man. And I could tell you, he could have made a lot more money than being with us. But he wanted to also achieve that because he needed that. And he has it now. He needed to see this is how you need to do it. This is weakness. Okay. Um, that's it. Yeah, while that went off, could you lower his mic a little bit? It's just, um, it's like right on his mouth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, while that disrupts. Oh, I put it down. Yeah. I okay, cool. Because I'm, I'm just like staring. Okay, you, oh, okay, like, it's cool. So I was just, as soon as that went off, I was like, okay, good. Can we, because the whole time right. talking to you, I was like, I need to see my man. Yeah, it's all right. I need <laughs> we could. And um, yeah, so I don't have nothing against him. I mean, listen, man. You can't compete with something that's subjective. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, there's no such thing who's the funniest because, like I said previously, one person might find you funny, other person might not find you funny. You just need to find your audience and have them come see you. And hell with being number one. Right here in my studio right here, got Kevin Hart's name everywhere up here. And this Quake House is this channel. It's everything. You know what I mean? If you was an inferior or something, you know, fuck, man, I got this fucking name everywhere. I know it's a station. No, you never want to be number one because that's not the objective of being number one because, again, it's subjective. You just want to be in the top 52 because it's 52 weeks in the year. <laughs> you understand? So if Kevin Hart's in the ladder or week one, they're going to need somebody week two. They're going to need somebody week three. They're going to need somebody week four. So hell with being one. You just yeah. want to be in the top 52 that you in the rotation of a comedy club. I tell com comedians that all the time. And you want to root for that person. Mm. He's about to be the first billionaire comedian ever. So that means he has opened up doors with the possibilities like rappers that is a billion dollar dude in this profession doing comedy. I'd be damned if this man make a billion dollars, man, and I don't make at least 1%. Yeah. <laughs> 10%, that's $100 million. Yeah. So how is he doing it? Because did not hating on him. Duplicate what he's doing unless you feel that you're not talented than he is. Then that's your problem. That's your problem. That's a mindset thing. That's a mindset because it's subjective. He found his audience. I never said, I never ever felt and seeing any of my peers, all my, any of them, be in arenas and feel inferior. Because I never took quantity over quality. Just because you have 18,000 and I got 18, don't mean you have a better show than I do. I mean, more people heard about yours and I need to get a, a better job of getting them to come see me like you did for yours. I never looked at it, and life has always been my strongest point is perspective. My perspective has always been that, and it's better to hands so come there and do business with, how did you do this? Kevin Hart is one of the hardest working motherfuckers in the world. I told him, ain't no way I could work like you. Ain't no shit. <laughs> you can tell I ain't got no money because I'm still working. When I get some money, I'm quitting. I ain't shit. <laughs> I'm enjoying this shit. I'll be damned if you don't see me on everything. What have you learned from working so closely with him? The hustle is real. Game is real. Envy is real. 
toxins is real. You can't allow outside people to change who you are. If you're a good person and you get burned by being a good person, you'll allow them to win twice if that bad person changed you who you are. So you must also continue to give opportunity to other people, even though the last person you gave an opportunity did you wrong. Mm. And you got to understand it's an occupational hazard that um, people are going to come after you when you ain't do nothing to them. And you must, you, you know what I'm saying? This is a job, and it ain't a, just about jokes. It ain't about funny. It's about your work ethic. You're a businessman. You're not a businessman, and you must be your best manager, you. You must be your best agent, you. And like he said, hard work tastes well, you know, tastes good. And, you know, you can't shit on him if he, he getting up 8 o'clock in the morning doing 252,000 sit-ups and you still laying in the bed to 12 noon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The man is working and he's putting his work in. And, you know, so that's what I learned, you know. Hard work tastes well. What have been some of the like the ups and downs of your career for doing it for over thirty years? I mean, you're like you're doing it now. Like you've got you've got the shine. But imagine I know in my own career I've had some moments where I was like, Oh, this is it and then it's not it. You know, like what are some of those hurdles you've had to overcome? Career wise, it really hasn't been too many of disappointment. Mine's more maybe personal with people I associate myself with. You don't want to get into personally speaking that area the arrogance of saying I shouldn't be around that person because I was that person that before I became this person. You know what I mean? But certain people are down there for a reason and you you uh, you can't associate with it. If I had to do it all over again, it's a lot of people that I wouldn't invest time into. I'd have just associated with them. I wouldn't allow them to share my dream. I'd allow them to witness it. I would have... Um, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have felt that we were a team out of treating them as an individual, you know, invite them to the party, but never to the board one. Mm-hmm. Invited them, you know, to the after party, but never to the scheming of it, you know. But it's a lesson learned, you know, and I don't care who they are. You, you, you know, you have to be careful who you allow to share your dream, be a part of your dream. And you feel in my community, you feel obligated because they was around you when you came to, you know, the agreement or realized that you are the one God picked to do this. And you want to be like metaphor of like a speak, this us, but it really ain't a us. You know, it's a you. God picked you. And you must do you. And Steve Harvey said very much so, everybody that you meet ain't meant to go where you going, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're like boosters in a spaceship, you know, on a, on a shuttle. They're supposed to take you as far and then jettison them, them rockets off for you to go farther. And I didn't learn that. I was still trying to take the boosters with me to Mars. Yeah. And that kept me from going to Mars. And once I jettisoned them off, then I took off. So you were just, you would get an opportunity but then be distracted by these other... Well, distracted, turning it over to people that wasn't qualified to handle the moment, uh, allowing people to speak for me that had no reason other than just be there to be a witness, not a spokesman, um, a lip to, I mean, a lot of things. Um, 
contaminating my thoughts. You know what I mean? If you look at any celebrity, I personally speaking, if I if I had to say it, most celebrities that get in trouble is really not them. A hundred percent is the people that around them that encourage them, give them, you know, put the put the put the few on the fire. It might be a spark there, make it a fire. And, you know, because they don't have that your best interests. Um, they haven't grown. Their way of dealing with a, a problem is still the way they deal with it when they was in the inner city or at their level. They're not looking from the perspective of who you are. You can't deal with it that way. So it took me a while to learn that, but now I got it. And then, you know, but see, I never feared it because I knew I always assess who the man was in our profession. And I always knew, you know, I was good enough. Yeah. How <laughs> many times you talk about comedy just like, I mean, yeah, I knew what it is. You know what I mean? I knew, you know, I knew I was good enough. And the money never goes down. You know what I'm saying? I think I heard you say a quote, it was, it was something about like um, I don't I don't need to be your favorite comedian. I just, I need your favorite comedian to know me. So when the, their fans find me, they know what comedy really is. It was something like that. Of like, well, what I said is, if you don't think I'm funny, go ask whoever you think is funny. Am I funny? Mm-hmm. If you think he's funny and he's telling you I'm funny, then it's you. Because yeah. <laughs> that's the person you look up to. <laughs> Now go ask, go, you said it funny, so yours must be something else than it. Just say you don't like me, then I'll take that. Yeah. But not funny, come on. Let's be real, I tell too many jokes, too many quality jokes in a, in a compact, just together it, of of content. More than anybody, there's no way you're not gonna find one of these not hilarious to go all the way through. Some people's special only got one good hot thing all the way through. One hot bit. You understand? We 20, 25 bits in the 30s. Come on, man. You sitting there and you ain't find none of these. But yet you say, this dude is funny, so I'm not even going to argue with you. I'm going to ask you. Go ask him. He's like, nah, he the man. Then I'm going to ask you. Now, your man said I'm the man, so. <laughs> I you not. Well, that's that's what I hear. You're like, yeah, I just go on stage and talk. And then I'm like, well, I'm like sitting down and like trying to write jokes. And I'm trying to like be structured and all this and then I'm looking at your I'm getting not to compare I guess it's all subjective but it is like man is there like another way it's like the confidence I guess well I tried your way and it didn't work mm-hmm. Steve helped me with that true story um we riding in Atlanta it was Atlanta or Dallas and I'm right fuck you doing I said, I'm trying to write this, get this bit. He grabbed a paper, spread it, threw it out the Threw the paper and threw it out. I said, the fuck you? He said, your shit comes out already. Don't you allow these comedy club owners or manage or other comics to make you do a process that you don't have to do it. You have the gift. Yours come out already. So go with that. And once he told me that, it was all over there. He told me that. He, he told me when he told me I was. It was a wrap after that. I just went up there and started seeing it and running with it and just could just go with it. That's why I tape every show. I have taped every show I've ever done. 
because I'm supposed to be disciplined enough to go back and say, oh, I said that. Mm. I'm going to work on that. No, I'll just say something else next day. You're almost following a feeling more than like words on stage. It's almost like what you're feeling in that moment. Yeah, I might, um, you know, as long as I keep my environment sterile and um, keep my mind, you know, that's why I don't take any calls like four hours, three hours before the show and talk to nobody, just keep it in there. And um, and I keep it in, and then I say, I want to talk about this, I want to talk about that, and then I just elaborate. That's why I will always do comedy clubs, because it allows me to write there. You know what I mean? I can write on say You can't write when you're doing a theater or arena. You don't play with 18,000 people or 6,000 people. Fuck around your boo. You, know, you, can, you, you can control 400 people, yeah. 300 people. You know what I mean? You can you can search for it. You can you can you can draw it out. You know what I mean? You can you can you can bring it out. And then once you bring it all out, then you get a thought from here, a thought from there, and then you can pack it together and then it becomes one thought. And just pat, 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 pat. It's a little key ball. It's the whole set. And then you look up and say, All right, I got forty minutes knockouts. You understand what I'm saying? Do you think, are you going to do, like, uh, the, your legendary set was 37 minutes. Are you going to do that length again, you think? Or I want to, but I've been asking you. Wait, wait, yeah. I want to do that, but I don't, the money that next week don't pay me, they're going to say I got a two-hour, I think. They gonna, <laughs> I'm going to try to get away with 30, because I don't need an hour, man. I don't already set the stat, I mean, the standard for 37 minutes. I'm really going to try to do 37 but it's really not up to me, to be quite honest with you. I prefer to do 37 because I did it. But they need me to put the other 23 on it and, and you know, and they making sure it's right. And they said, and it's changed for the money we're giving you, sir. You got to give us a whole hour. And I'll say, yes, sir. Netflix, <laughs> whatever you say. You know what I mean? I ain't got no problem with it. Just air it and let it be. Yeah, the, the money, it's funny, the... Money and comedy, they can be um, hard to combine, you know, but... What you mean? Tell me about that. I mean, making money in comedy. I mean, you know, some of us... I remember coming up driving 12 hours for 50 bucks and things me like too. that. You know what I mean? Coconuts. No, yeah. Yeah, down in Florida. Um, oh, what is Brian Sobel? I did all of those. Yeah, I've been coconuts, the Holiday Inn, with a food and beverage manager... Works with the car, with the comedy club promoter. You have to sit there and entertain all the people that's in Fort Walton Beach or Daytona Beach, Florida, that staying in the Holiday Inn and they come down for comedy night. Fifty dollars for the uh, feature, hundred and fifty for the headliner, twenty five for the uh, MC, and you couldn't tell us nothing. We'll leave from there and go to Lakewood, California. I mean Lakewood, Florida, then down to Miami, then come up to. Hilton Head, South Carolina, and um, yeah, beautiful, beautiful time, beautiful. When you weren't making money, it was a beautiful time? Well, I was, the money justified where I was at in my career, but it, the money for me is all, it justified more than anything exactly what it does for me now, and it's independence. Mm. I made enough money that I didn't have to work for somebody else. You know what I mean? You put that one fifty together with that under one fifty a show, I was clearing like a thousand dollars a week. 
and my friends who was in the military, you know, they got out the military, was working for other people and back in the thing. They was making $1,200 every two weeks. So I was beating them, you know what I mean? And I was doing what I love to do. So it gave me the independence. And I, that's the importance of money with me. It gives me the independence to do, you know, to be able to do what I want to do and not answer to anybody else. Yeah. So the money was, the money, since the day I got in comedy has always been great for me. And another cliche, not a cliche, another um, lesson I learned from Steve Harvey was uh, never let never let money not be the reason for you not getting on stage. Never let money. He always said, he would say, because we get paid by the days. So Friday, to say Friday, June 10th, you're a $10,000 comedian, but they only got eight. If you ain't got another 10 coming in, you better get that eight because June 10th is not coming again because you get paid by that Friday. So what, you're going to stay home and I get no money because you needed 10 or you're going to go here and pick that eight up and you never know who's in that audience that might bring another 10 that see you from there. So once he taught me that, I have always say, you know, and I have taught all the time, you know, we 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 turn nothing now. So if if we have something else, then we'll say no. But ain't nothing else. And you near you near the nip ballpark, we'll do it. So it fluctuates with the price. So you never let money be the reason why you do not get on stage. I just said no to a gig yesterday <laughs> because the price wasn't right. Well, if you, I mean, if it's not, it, don't get me wrong, you know, like it's camp, it got to be close. Yeah. Now, an insulting, you know what I mean? Mother came to me and said, quick, we got $2,000. I, I don't work for $2,000. I, I can't. I just, $2,000, quality of life, what it takes. Right. I'm then on it. But if you, if my retail is a certain price and you off 2000 then I, I look at it, man, we got to go get that. You know what I mean? We got to go get that. And uh, so it should never be the reason. You have other reasons. That's insulting. <laughs> the yeah, money yeah. just was the, the reason it was insulting. But the money ain't the reason why you didn't do it. It was insulting for a person to do okay. it. So that's the clarity on it. You shouldn't work, you know, because uh, you know, that can hurt you even more, you know, if you if you allow people, because they'll feel he'll take it and then they'll start playing on that. So it has to be around the, the ballpark, which you usually will. You know, if you're a $20,000 a night comedian, they got 17.5. You should take the 17, because 17.5 pays up. Yeah, for sure. You understand? Yeah, yeah. Nothing. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll remember that then. I, remember, yeah. I think as a young comic, they've got to take whatever, whenever, though. Like that stage time is. Like that's where you yeah you do but you when you're a young comic you also want to position yourself with growth and what I mean is with this okay I know who I am now I know my art I know how to tell a joke so my quantity of shows have to move to quality of show who am I doing the shows with who is the promoter. Am I going to get more out of it than the personal satisfaction that I know I'm funny? Is this going to be in front of people or something that could prepare to another bigger show? You have to make those common decisions once 
you get to the point that you understand, you know, I got this. I don't need, you know, like a boxer, I don't need to just be fighting to be fighting. I need meaningful fights. I need fights that's going to prepare me to get the belt, the championship, metaphorically speaking. That's what you want to do in a person such as your position. Now that you've known and you've got a grip of this great talent you have, how can I get more meaningful shows? How can I do a show uh, who uh, might have got a Latino audience and he's big and I can get on a show with him so his audience can see me diverse or shit. Go ahead and do a show with Quake with his audience. You want to sit here and pair yourself with different people so you can get a vast uh, group to come see you. And your, your mentality just say, yeah, they come to see him, but they came out loving me. Mm. You know what I mean? They came to see him, but they came out and remembered me. That should be always your mentality when you're making that transition from the point of you just sitting there, just finished doing, you know, comedy. Because see, in the beginning, you just working on your craft. At some point, you got your craft. Now, how do I manifest it together to package it up so I can expand it for everybody else to see it and just do a meaningfully show, meaningless shows just to be doing it. It, it hurts you, in my humble opinion. Yeah, so what, um, I mean, knowing which, what, what advice would you have for me, Quake? What, what, what would you, what would you bestow upon me with what we have here with this show and my stand-up? Like, implement both of them to it. You have a great platform. You're funny because I watched you. Just continue to get with other comics and have your people sit here and say, "I want to work with other strong comedians. I need higher platforms on bigger shows." And then you tell them, Dan, that money is negotiable. Stay, get me, if you can get retail, get it. But if it's off retail, I get it because I'm trying to expand my base. And that's how you keep doing Then you say, oh, I seen him on a Quake show. I seen him on Quake House. I heard him on a, just keep on working with other positive comedians, positive comedians. And, and put your brand together and you'll grow. And then you can learn too by seeing it. Oh, see, that's why my joke ain't work. I should have put more emphasis on this. You learn with other great comics. You learn, oh, so when I get a, when you do a bit, like, okay, I want to do this bit and be perfect the way they do it, like on airs did it. You know, mm -hmm. you're not biting off his what it is, but you do take off the point of say, this is how he did it. You know what I mean? Now this material, if I do this material I got and do it in the in the in the package like he did it, then it is off of it. Then you you know, you learn from steel, shopping steel. And you get to learn off of it. Like Kobe said, man, he watch Mike. That's how you do it. That's how you back a man, give him the shoulder to the left, back to the right. And that's how you do it like that. That's all. I think that's, I'm currently in a comfort zone of like, I've gotten some road work and things like that, but I'm not really surrounding myself with like higher like comedians that rule, like you said, steel sharpened steel. Yeah, and you want to do that. You yeah. know what I mean? You want to do, um, a lot of times you see it, the best way I got into it was um, they do a lot of benefits, you know? Um, they do a lot of uh, different um, festivals, you know, you see these festivals go out, the Just for Laughs, the Southwest, all of these things. You have your people say, man, y'all need to put me on there. I'll take the first five. Because, see, 
I tell people all the time, man, um, there's not a comedy club, a comedy show in the world that starts on time. The best will start 15 minutes late. They go 15 minutes right there. Mm-hmm. They go 15 minutes right there. Man, yeah, you are in an adverse situation, people coming in. But if you get those first right there, it is shopping you so much. So when you are the anchor, you are already, you are already shown your material can wait. I'm just getting there, just sitting there, and ain't paying no attention. You killing right then. God help you when you, you, you number three, number four, number five. And then it'll make you appreciate the three to fourth position. Cause you, and you will have empathy for the brother who's in number one. Cause that used to be you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a growth. It's a process, but you want to be around it. And then you get to what I did was sit back and see how professionals did it. Like, okay, I'm going to emulate that. When it's my turn, I ain't going to do that. You understand? Yeah. And that's, that's cool. Okay. I'm going to need that. I ain't going to be that. That's the, I ain't going to be no ass like that. You know what I mean? You get to, you get to sit back and ain't nobody noticing you. You know what I mean? Because whatever way they going to do their shit, they're they going to do it in front of you because you ain't a star yet. See, when I get around, they going to temper their fucking attitude and put on a show like that. But for you, when I was down like that, I could just sit back and see how they treated Steve Hartman, see how they treat Bernie Mac. See how they treat Martin Lawrence. See how they treat them. See how people did off it. See what you're supposed to get when you become Martin Lawrence. See what you're supposed to get when you become Bernie. See what you, how they don't supposed to treat you when you're Bernie. See how you just get to learn and you just get to see it. See how I show it. Okay, when I get my show, I ain't going to have four people open for me. I'm going to have three. I'm going to have four. I'm going to have a dude. I'm going to give a break to a, a young comedian. Let them say, hey, man, 801, get on stage, stay on there to the show and kill them right here. You can go with me all the time. Got a high 500 per show for you all the way through. Put you up, everything. You can be down. You be in all the photos, everything on it. 30 city tour. You could be on it and better. You give back on it. And then you can sit back and you'll say, just sit back and just look. And you'll see how the game is played. And that's, that's the best internship you can get. Mm. You know, mm. that's bars. You know, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. internship you can get, and then when it's your turn, you already know how you want your shit to roll. You being around the greats, is there like a common trait of theirs that you've picked up on that kind of separates them? Oh, that's a good question. Um, they were all talented. <laughs> no, man. I mean, you. It's no. You can't beat their talented people. I mean, that's one back to your question about the Instagram, you know, comedian. I mean, <laughs> eventually you're gonna have to show that talent. Eventually you eventually you're gonna have to show that goddamn talent. You're gonna have to show that you're a talented guy and all of them was extremely talented, and you sit back like, "Oh God!" And it, it certain people get inferior. I mean, get scared of it, but certain people it motivates you. You like, I right. certain moment you like, "Hey, I'm working with this person. I gotta make sure I, I get my proper sleep, 
and I gotta be ready because you know this motherfucker gonna bring it. Mm. And if you gotta go behind him, you got to be aware that you gotta bring it. And and the best thing I tell comedians too, you wanna be funny because if you know the technique, you can ride that wave of laughter he had and it can take you through your whole set. But if you fight it, you'll fight yourself in one of them rip currents and get drowned. <laughs> Tidal wave. Yeah. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh. You're drowning flop yeah. sweat up yeah. there when it doesn't go well. Exactly. <laughs> He's a lifeguard. Yeah. I'm a voice. <laughs> Give him the light. Yeah. Come on, come on out in your fellow. <laughs> I know you got 20 minutes, but we just need that five. Get out of there, rock. Come on, yeah. out of there, rock. It's going to get your <laughs> It's going to pulverize you. You've been fighting bums all your life down in Mariota, Georgia. You're not ready. It was, it was, it was cans. They was, they was all cans. Tuna cans, rock. You understand? You think you beat them? We put all them people there to laugh at your stuff, rock. You was all on Instagram. You really thought you was killing we bought them followers, Rock. <laughs> <laughs> we bought them likes, Rock. <laughs> yeah, and that boy's gonna bubble us. You don't have a chance. Well, let's land this plane here, my friend. Cause... No, I mean you cool. This I'm just checking my what's name, but you know, right, because I know we're we're about, I'm about to be on your radio show. Yes, shoot, so. uh, Quake's house. I'm gonna show you on Sirius XM. Very proud of it. Five years in it. Um, been a beautiful thing. I think um just fuck I just bought this goddamn goddamn You sound like Apple a grandpa looking at his Apple I could just bought this month. Yeah, I had a Fitbit watch, but I went on and upgraded. Got the Apple Watch now that got security all in my house and this telling me motherfucker cameras on it and everything, boy. I'm, new tax bracket. You just sold out that theater in DC now it's yeah. a new tax bracket. It was so beautiful. I wish this for every comic. Kevin had it when he did it in Philly, of course. Steve, Dave, but shit, Dave. This motherfucker had a whole week in New York at Madison Square Garden. He sold out Madison Square Garden for the whole fucking week for his birthday. Tuesday, Wednesday, then we they had the party on Thursday. Then he sold it out Friday and Saturday. And man, I'm I'm not talking about the theater. I'm talking about the Gordon. And you just look at it, and it's a motivating thing, you know? And I set up, I said, okay. I said, this is where I want to be. This is where I should be. How do I get here? And that's the only thing I'm into now. You know what I mean? It's a beautiful thing. So you start at the MGM in Washington, D.C., selling that out, and then uh, do more things with a, um, a live nation. And, you know, they checks are good. Walked in there, they ain't even have a hole on it. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I gave it to the bank, said, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> certainly, sir. None of that. Let me holler at you. No. Nah. After the show, yeah. They paid me the most money I've ever made on doing stand-up in my career for one night. I mean, live stand-up, not specials or stuff mm -hmm. like that, but actually standing on stage and doing it. That's the most money I've ever made, ever. Just this past week. What does that feel like after over 30 years? Validation. Yeah. Especially at home. Validation that, yeah, okay, I made it. It's here. It's happening. It's coming to fruition. Even though I never, you know, sit here and, like, 
I just put the work in and whatever came, I was so grateful for it. But it's a humbling experience, like, okay, it's a chance that I can, it's gonna happen that I'm gonna, you know what I mean? You know, internationally, because I did it over there with Dave and Chris Rock over Europe. It's been a fantastic, and then come back to sell yours, and it's just you. I tell a comedian that you, you make it, and you could put your name on any billboard, and somebody stop and go in there and buy tickets, especially just to see you. That's when you made it. Mm. You know what I mean? Not paper the room, not this, but they actually came and said, hey, I'm paying my money to come to see you and uh, to do it for over, you know, 3,200 people in that theater was just remarkable. And, and in front of your hometown and from all your friends that you grew up with, family, friends, and none of them knew I was a comedian because I didn't start in D.C. I started in Atlanta, and none of them knew me by Earthquake. I just came up with the name Earthquake in case this shit didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I didn't want to mess up my real good name, you know? They go home. Did you know this motherfucker got out the Air Force and went to Atlanta to try to be a comedian? No. Man, that motherfucker was terrible down there. He think we don't know about it. So if it didn't work out, I could still go back home, and then nobody knows. So somebody come in, hey, what's your name, Earthquake? I don't know no damn Earthquake, man. My name Nathaniel. You know what I'm So fortunately, with the grace of God, it did work out. So nobody, family, friends, knew Earthquake. They could equate it with me until I actually got on Heavy mm-hmm. and the rest of them, hey, because I never called my family or none of them and told them I was a comedian. I never, I none of that because you know I have a brothers and sisters. They go hard and they have no cut card, so I had to really be good before I allowed them motherfuckers to come see me. And then when they came to see me, they're like, "Nah, he really is good. He's funny. He really is." So once I got the approval from them, then I told everybody else that's what I. Did. You started in white rooms, right? Yes. All white people? Yes, I started with white clubs. I did all white clubs in the beginning. And um, when I um, I couldn't get into the black comedy club, so. I was the exact opposite. Yeah. I was in front of all black people because I can't get in all the all white clubs. Oh, yeah. They racist. Yeah, racist. Yeah, they wouldn't let us. Hater. And they were so structured. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You had managers telling you these were jokes you couldn't say and this. Yeah. You were a fucking manager of a comedy club. You don't know the gift, bro. You was just waitress two weeks ago. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You was, a, you was just a food runner. Uh-huh. You understand? Now all of a sudden you over here telling them who got the gift and who don't. Fuck out of here. But you couldn't say that and say, all right, I wouldn't say that. But it just made you stronger. But... What white clubs did do for me, it gave me discipline. Mm. 15 minutes was 15 minutes. 10 minutes is 10 minutes. 20 minutes was 20 minutes. Black clubs, 20 minutes is 30 minutes. Had to drag the motherfucker off the stage. I used to be in there like a white dude. His time is up. <laughs> the fuck is, how the fuck is he doing 30 minutes and he only supposed to do 20? <laughs> It was a it was a shock. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> kind of bullshit. This some bullshit, man. He only supposed to do fifteen minutes, man. Mm. He up there thirty five minutes. This shit would never happen at the funny bone. Right. <laughs> You'll never work again. 
Was, that was that Justin knowing black or them motherfuckers was one undisciplined ass motherfucker. The comedians was undisciplined like shit. And it just didn't. And you'll go to the manager and say, man, the fuck? Why you even got a goddamn schedule? You know what I mean? You come in, you post me on the eight o'clock, you don't go into nine because the other two motherfuckers, they're 40 minutes. And he threatened You ain't going to work here no way again. Next week, this motherfucker right there working again. And it was fucked up. But you made it. Yes, thank God. I, now you're getting the hot breath bump, so I think it's it's on the up and up for you there, Quake. Yes, that I made this is officially let me know that I'm I'm certified. And I, I appreciate you taking time to do this because we were gonna do it in Atlanta, and then I had equipment malfunctions, and you were gracious enough to be like, "Well, let's we'll do it the right way." And then yes. I flew out. I, I moved a flight for this. Well, listen, I was like, "Let's make it happen." Well, you deserve that. Um. I'm always gonna support you. I support the genre that we do. I also believe it's important that people in my position get to this position. You want to, I'm not telling them not do the high end, different, you know, the different, the tonight showing, but you gotta give to people such as yourself who loves this genre that keeps it going. And I will always support you and I'm always a phone call away, my brother. And, well, Quake, appreciate you being on Hot Breath, my friend. Thank you, man, for having me. Comedy history. Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.